Chapter Two of Culture and Cooking, or Art in the Kitchen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Yearsley. Culture and Cooking, or Art in the Kitchen, by Catherine Owen. Chapter Two, on Bread. Of all articles of food, bread is perhaps the one about which most has been written, most instruction given, and most failures made. Yet what adds more to the elegance of a table than exquisite bread or breads? And, unless you live in a large city and depend on the baker, what so rare? A lady who is very proud of her table, and justly so, said to me quite lately, I cannot understand how it is we never have really fine home-made bread. I have tried many recipes following them closely, and I can't achieve anything but a commonplace loaf with a thick hard crust, and as for rolls they are my despair. I have wasted eggs, butter, and patience so often that I have determined to give them up, but a fine loaf I will try for. And when you achieve the fine loaf, you may revel in homemade rolls, I answered. And so I advise everyone first to make perfect bread light white crisp and thin crusted that rarest thing in home-made bread i have read over many recipes for bread and am convinced that when the time allowed for rising is specified it is invariably too short one standard book directs you to leave your sponge two hours and the bread when made up a quarter of an hour this recipe strictly followed must result in heavy tough bread as bread is so important and so many fail i will give my own method from beginning to end not that there are not numberless good recipes but simply because they frequently need adapting to circumstances and altering a recipe is one of the things a tyro fears to do i make a sponge overnight using a dried yeast cake soaked in a pint of warm water, to which I add a spoonful of salt, and, if the weather is warm, as much soda as will lie on a dime. Make this into a stiff batter with flour. It may take a quart or less. Flour varies so much. To give a rule is impossible, but if, after standing, the sponge has a watery appearance, make it thicker by sprinkling in more flour, beat hard a few minutes, and cover with a cloth. In winter keep a piece of thick flannel for the purpose, as a chill is fatal to your sponge, and set in a warm place, free from draughts. The next morning, when the sponge is quite light, that is to say, at least twice the bulk it was, and like a honeycomb, take two quarts of flour, more or less, as you require, but I recommend at first a small baking, and this will make three small loaves. In winter, flour should be dried and warmed. Put it in your mixing bowl and turn the sponge into a hole in the centre. Have ready some water, rather more than lukewarm, but not hot. Add it gradually, stirring your flour into the sponge at the same time. The great fault in making bread is getting the dough too stiff. It should be as soft as possible, without being at all sticky or wet. Now knead it with both hands from all sides into the centre. Keep this motion, occasionally dipping your hands into the flour, if the dough sticks, but do not add more flour, unless the paste sticks very much. 
If you have the right consistency, it will be a smooth mass, very soft to the touch, yet not sticky. But this may not be attained at a first mixing, without adding flour by degrees. When you have kneaded the dough until it leaves the bowl all round, set it in a warm place to rise. When it is well risen, feels very soft and warm to the touch, and is twice its bulk, knead it once more thoroughly, then put it in tins either floured, and the flour not adhering shaken out, or buttered. Putting in each a piece of dough half the size you intend your loaf to be. Now everything depends on your oven. Many people bake their bread slowly, leaving it in the oven a long time, and this causes a thick hard crust. When baked in the modern iron oven, quick baking is necessary. Let the oven be quite hot, then put a little ball of paste in, and if it browns palely in seven to ten minutes, it is about right. If it burns, it is too hot. Open the damper ten minutes. Your bread, after it is in the tins, will rise much more quickly than the first time. Let it get light, but not too light. Twice its bulk is a good rule. But if it is light before your oven is ready, and thus in danger of getting too porous, work it down with your hand. It will not harm it, although it is better so to manage that the oven waits for the bread rather than the bread for the oven. A small loaf, and by all means make them small until you have gained experience, will not take more than three-quarters of an hour to bake. When a nice yellow-brown, take it out, turn it out of the tin into a cloth, and tap the bottom. If it is crisp and smells cooked, the loaf is done. Once the bottom is brown, it need remain no longer. Should that, however, from fault of your oven, be not brown but soft and white, you must put it back in the oven, the bottom upwards. An oven that does not bake at the bottom will, however, be likely to spoil your bread. It is sometimes caused by a careless servant leaving a collection of ashes underneath it. Satisfy yourself that all the flues are perfectly clean and clear before beginning to bake, and if it still refuses to do its duty, change it for you will have nothing but loss and vexation of spirit while you have it in use. I think you will find this bread white, evenly porous, note not with small holes in one part and caverns in another. If it is so, you have made your dough too stiff, and it is not sufficiently kneaded, and with a thin, crisp crust. Bread will surely fail to rise at all if you have scalded the yeast. The water must never be too hot. In winter, if it gets chilled, it will only rise slowly, or not at all, and in using baker's or German yeast, take care that it is not stale, which will cause heavy, irregular bread. In making bread with compressed yeast, proceed in exactly the same way, excepting that the sponge will not need to be set overnight, unless you want to bake very early. If you have once produced bread to your satisfaction, you will find no difficulty in making rolls. Proceed as follows. Take a piece of the dough from your baking after it has risen once. To a piece as large as a man's fist, take a large tablespoonful of butter and a little powdered sugar. Work them into the dough, put it in a bowl, cover it, and set it in a warm place to rise. A shelf behind the stove is best. If you make this at the same time as your bread, you will find it takes longer to rise. 
the butter causes that difference when very light much lighter than your bread should be take your hand and push it down until it is not larger than when you put it in the bowl let it rise again and again push it down but not so thoroughly do this once or twice more and you have the secret of light rolls you will find them rise very quickly after once or twice pushing down when they have risen the third or fourth time take a little butter on your hands and break off small pieces about the size of a walnut and roll them round either put them on a tin close together to be broken apart or an inch or two from each other in which case work in a little more flour and cut a cleft on the top and once more set to rise half an hour will be long enough generally but in this case you must judge for yourself they sometimes take an hour if they look swelled very much and smooth they will be ready have a nice hot oven and bake for twelve to fifteen minutes add a little more sugar to your dough and an egg go through the same process brush them over with sugar dissolved in milk and you will have delicious rusks the above is my own method of making rolls and the simplest i know of but there are numbers of other recipes given in cookery books which would be just as good if the exact directions for letting them rise were given as a test and every experiment you try will be so much gained in your experience follow the recipe given for rolls in any good cookery book take part of the dough and let it rise as therein directed and bake set the other part to rise as i direct and notice the difference kreuznach horns either take a third of the dough made for bread with three quarts of flour or set a sponge with a pint of flour and a yeast cake soaked in half a pint of warm water or milk making it into a stiffish dough with another pint of flour then add four ounces of butter a little sugar and two eggs work well if you use the bread dough you will need to dredge in a little more flour on account of the eggs but not very much then set to rise as for rolls work it down twice or thrice then turn the dough out on the moulding board lightly floured roll it as you would pie crust into pieces six inches square and quarter of an inch thick make two sharp quick cuts across it from corner to corner and you will have from each square four three-cornered pieces of paste spread each thinly with soft butter flour lightly and roll up very lightly from the wide side taking care that it is not squeezed together in any way lay them on a tin with the side on which the point comes uppermost and bend round in the form of a horseshoe these will take some time to rise when they have swollen much and look light brush them over with white of egg not beaten or milk and butter and bake in a good oven kringles are made from the same recipe but with another egg and two ounces of sugar powdered added to the dough when first set to rise then when well risen two or three times instead of rolling with a pin as for horns break off pieces roll between your hands as thick as your finger and form into figure eights rings fingers or take three strips flour and roll them as thick as your finger tapering at each end lay them on the board fasten the three together at one end and then lay one over the other in a plait fasten the other end and set to rise bake when done brush over with sugar dissolved in milk and sprinkle with sugar 
all these breads are delicious for breakfast and may easily be had without excessive early rising if the sponge is set in the morning dough made in the afternoon and the rising and working done in the evening when instead of making up into rolls horns or cringles push the dough down thoroughly cover with a damp folded cloth and put in a very cold place if in summer not on ice of course then next morning as soon as the fire is alight mould but do not push down any more put in a very warm spot and when light bake in summer as i have said i think it safest to prevent danger of souring to put a little soda in the sponge for bread and for rolls or anything requiring to rise several times it is an essential precaution brioche i suppose the very name of this delectable french dainty will call up in the mind's eye of many who read this book that great little shop au grand brioche on the boulevard poissonniere where on sunday afternoons scores of boys from the lycée form en queue with the general public waiting the hour when the piles of golden brioche shall be ready to exchange for their eager sous but i venture to say a really fine brioche is rarely eaten on this side the atlantic they being a luxury welcome to all and especially aromatic of paris i tried many times to make them obtaining for that purpose recipes from french friends and from standard french books but never succeeded in producing the ideal brioche until i met with gouflet's great book the livre de cuisine after reading which i may here say all secrets of the french kitchen are laid bare no effort is spared to make everything plain from the humble pot au feu to the most gorgeous monumental plat and i would refer to any one who wants to become proficient in any french dish to that book feeling sure that in following strictly the directions there will be no failure it is the one book i have met with on the subject in which no margin is left for your own knowledge if you have it to fill up but to the brioche paris jockey club recipe for brioche sift one pound of flour take one-fourth of it and add rather more than half a cake of compressed yeast dissolved in half a gill of warm water make into a sponge with a very little more water put in a warm place when it is double its volume take the rest of the flour make a hole in the centre and put in it an equal quantity of salt and sugar about a teaspoonful and two tablespoonfuls of water to dissolve them three-quarters of a pound of butter and four eggs beat well then add another egg beat again and add another and so on until seven have been used the paste must be soft but not spread if too firm add another egg now mix this paste with the sponge thoroughly beating until the paste leaves the sides of the bowl then put it into a crock and cover let it stand four hours in a warm place then turn it out on a board spread it and double it four times return it to the crock and let it rise again two hours repeat the former process of doubling and spreading and put it in a very cold place for two hours or until you want to use it mould in any form you like but the true brioche is two pieces one as large again as the other form the large one into a ball 
make a deep depression in the centre, on which place the smaller ball, pressing it gently in, cut two or three gashes round it with a sharp knife, and bake a beautiful golden brown. These brioches are such a luxury, and so sure to come out right, that the trouble of making them is well worth the taking, and, for another reason, every one knows the great difficulty of making puff paste in summer, and a short paste is never handsome, but take a piece of brioche paste, roll it out thin, dredge it with flour, fold and roll again, then use as you would puff paste. If for sweet pastry a little powdered sugar may be sprinkled through it, instead of dredging with flour, this makes a very handsome and delicious crust. Or another use to which it may be put is to roll it out, cut it in rounds, lay on them mincemeat, orange marmalade, jam, or merely sprinkle with currants, chopped citron and spices, fold, press the edges, and bake. Before quitting the subject of breads I must introduce a novelty, which I call souffle bread. It is quickly made, possible even when the fire is poor, and so delicious that I know you will thank me for making you acquainted with it. Use two or three eggs, according to size you wish, and to each egg a tablespoonful of flour. Mix the yolks with the flour, and with them a dessert-spoonful of butter melted, and enough milk to make a very thick batter. Work, add a pinch of salt and a teaspoonful of sugar. Work till quite smooth, then add the whites of the eggs in a firm froth. Stir them in gently, and add a quarter teaspoon of soda, and half a one of cream of tartar. Have ready an iron frying-pan, or an earthen one that will stand heat is better, made hot with a tablespoonful of butter in it, also hot, but not so hot as for frying. Pour the batter, which should be of the consistency of sponge-cake batter, into the pan, cover it with a lid or tin plate, and set it back of the stove, if the fire is hot, if very slow it may be forward. When well risen and nearly done, put it in the oven, or, if the oven is cold, you may turn it gently, not to deaden it. Serve when done. Try with a twig. The underside uppermost. It should be of a fine golden brown, and look like an omelette. This souffle bread is equally good, baked, in a tin in which is rather more butter than enough to grease it. The oven must be very hot indeed. Cover it for the few minutes with a tin plate or lid, to prevent it scorching before it has risen. When it has puffed up, remove the lid and allow it to brown. Ten to fifteen minutes should bake it. Turn it out as you would sponge-cake, very carefully, not to deaden it. To succeed with bread, you must use the very best flour. End of chapter 2